0: All right, back on the Young Turks. Okay, before we go to our next guest, let's do a couple of things. Uh, number one, I want to update you on uh, on the town hall situation. Johnny Grateful uh, writes in on Twitter. Oh, I will definitely donate cash money for a debate hosted by the Young Turks. Uh, so uh, we're trying to get a town hall on climate uh, crisis, and uh, we're trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars to make that happen. Uh, we've announced it about 20 minutes ago. So uh let me look at uh, TYT.com slash town hall to see where we're at. $18,333 uh, from five hundred and forty-four different uh people giving. And um and by the way, I said if we raise twenty thousand in the first twenty-four hours, uh, you know, that'll get people's attention. It looks like we might have raised You know, close to twenty thousand, or we're about to raise twenty thousand dollars in the first twenty-four minutes, let alone twenty-four hours. Let me refresh one more time here. Okay, uh, so I will look, keep looking at this. It didn't change. Uh, (laughs) Keep it in like the ten seconds I was telling you that story. Anyway, I keep looking at it throughout uh, the rest of the show. Speaking of which, in the post game, J.R. Jackson is going to join me. Tommy Lauren has new uh, clothing line out, where you could put guns into your uh, athletic. leisure wear. So you'll be greatly amused at that, tyt.com slash join to become a member. All right, now let me go to my great guest. Brianna Wu is going to be next, but first. Joining me now is Andrew Romanoff. Uh, He is the former Speaker of the House in Colorado, and he is running for Senate uh, in this election. Uh, Andrew, uh, welcome to the Young Turks. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate
1: it. Uh, no I want pro- you to know, I got a new shirt for this occasion, but there are no firearms concealed in any part of my clothing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so
0: Andrew, um, you were uh, in great position here uh, as the race was unfolding. Cory Gardner, the Republican incumbent is deeply unpopular, completely tied to Donald Trump. Uh, you're both uh, you know, a politician that has roots in Colorado and has had great success there. And, and among certainly the most progressive candidates. So then here comes John Hickenlooper, and he dropped out of the presidential race, and now has joined this Senate run in your primary. A lot of people in the Democratic Party and, and some in the media, I don't know why they have a dog in the fight, have said that all of you should drop out to give Hickenlooper the nomination. What's your response to that?
1: Well, that's pretty laughable. I mean, that's not the way democracy works. I recognize that Washington has made its choice in this election, and that's nice. They don't actually get to vote here. They just act that way. We've gotten endorsements now from 300 elected officials across the state, county commissioners, mayors, school board members, city council members, legislators, folks who actually want to help fight for a Green New Deal and Medicare for All and an economy that works for everyone. That's why I'm running. Uh, And while I respect John Hickenwiper, and Cory Gardner, for that matter, we have fundamental differences in this election and that is what an election's for.
0: So look, the idea is Hickenlooper's, uh was of course mayor of, of Denver and then was governor of Colorado a couple of times. So they say he could win in that state. Um, is that a little panicked and is that a little uh, outdated? Uh, so it, it makes it seem like you could only win in Colorado if you run towards the Republicans. So I want to get your take on that.
1: Yeah, look, uh, if you look at the most recent polling, it'll show you that a generic Democrat leads Cory Gardner by about 10 points. This is not a blue state or a red state. It is a profoundly purple place. But I believe the best way to beat Cory Gardner is to offer a clear alternative uh, to show folks not just who you're running against, but what you're fighting for. We face, as you know, Jenk, an existential crisis in the form of this climate catastrophe. We have run out the clock on incremental reform. Baby steps aren't gonna do the trick. That's why I support a Green New Deal. I ran a mental health organization for the last 10 years fighting insurance companies that were depriving their customers of the coverage they were entitled to. So I'm not interested in watching more Americans struggle or suffer or die. On account of a business model that benefits by the number of claims it can exclude, and that's why I support a program of Medicare for all. Governor Hickenlooper and I disagree on that issue as well.
0: So Governor Hickenlooper says that um, he actually compared it to Stalin. Yeah,
1: um, outrageous.
0: And oh. uh, and he said that you might as well uh, airmail the the presidency to Donald Trump that if you argue on that uh, on the presidential level, yet he seemed to finish his campaign. Somewhat near zero percent. Um, so, look, we call ourselves home of progressives. We're we're super proud to be progressive, and we don't hide it. Uh, but I'm curious what your uh, reaction is in terms of the rest of the media in Colorado. Do they look at Hickenlooper polling at zero percent at the presidential level and go, nailed it? Uh, he, <laughs> he's clearly the guy who can beat Cory Gardner.
1: Now, I don't know that there's been a great deal of coverage in this race, although the national media has been focused, obviously, on the DSCC's choice. And, you know, I represented Colorado on the Democratic National Committee. At the time, the party took the view that it should not meddle in primaries. It actually respected the rights of voters in our state and every other state to pick a nominee. I think a lot of folks in Colorado tell me, whether they're endorsing my campaign or not, uh, that they want to be able to cast a ballot in this race rather than have The party bosses or power brokers in Washington declare this primary over 10 months before the people of Colorado have actually had a chance to weigh in.
0: So Andrew, you just said you're for Medicare for All and you talked about climate change. What's your point of view on Green New Deal?
1: Yeah, I support it because I think it is literally our last best chance to rescue the planet. If we do not end our reliance on fossil fuel and accelerate our transition to a clean energy economy, we will condemn our children and grandchildren to a world in which floods and storms and wildfires and droughts and heat waves like this one become even more frequent and more destructive in a world in which millions of people are already being turned into climate refugees and hundreds of millions more will be forced to flee their homes that's not the world i want for anyone and we can do something about that in fact in colorado we're showing that you can grow the economy and protect the environment at the same time i wish with all my heart that Cory Gardner would use the seat he holds now on the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee to act on this climate crisis. He won't, he hasn't, in large part because he owes that seat to the fossil fuel industry, the very industry he's supposed to be regulating.
0: So uh, the website is andrewromanoff.com. Whenever you're watching an interview on The Young Turks, you'll be able to find the links down below uh, on YouTube and Facebook, and you can just click on them to donate, to volunteer, etc. Andrew, that leads me to money in politics. Um, So um, do you take corporate PAC money?
1: I don't, no. In fact, I met with a group uh, from the Sunrise Movement just a couple days ago to make it clear that we're not only rejecting PAC money, we're rejecting uh, contributions from the fossil fuel industry. The truth is these special interest groups have enough politicians on their payroll and one of the reasons as you know Jake that we haven't gotten the health care reform we need the climate action we need or any of the fundamental changes we need is because we have allowed corporate cash to flood this system and corrupt democracy itself it's also one of the reasons that so many Americans have given up on participating in this process you look at the US Senate and you might as well see a sign that says only millionaires need apply Look, I'm not a millionaire, but I figure if a guy like me can win a race like this without all that corporate cash, our victory itself will send a shockwave to a town that needs one. And when we win, another candidate will take the same approach. And when she wins, another candidate will follow suit. And eventually we can build a critical mass of senators and representatives who owe their seats to their constituents, not to their corporate contributors.
0: So uh, would you be in favor of an amendment that ends private financing of election and makes public financing the law of the land?
1: I would support an amendment that not only reverses the Supreme Court decision in Citizens United that defines corporations as people, but also the earlier decision in Buckley versus Vallejo that defines money as speech. I think if we don't make those fundamental changes and adopt as you're suggesting a system of public financing, we'll continue to indulge a system that simply sells Senate seats and other public offices to the highest bidder. Uh, We've got the best government money can buy. It's just not a government that's working terribly well for the rest of us.
0: Look, I think anyone in this race is gonna beat uh, Cory Gardner with a stick. Uh, He's Already ten. Temp- <laughs> <laughs> he, he's uh, he's already down ten points to the generic Democrat, as you mentioned. Uh, he's completely tied to Donald Trump, uh, yes. and and Donald Trump is deeply unpopular in Colorado. Uh, so the the question is, what kind of senator does Colorado want, and can you win the primary? So what's your strategy for overcoming the? In my opinion, and and I think you'll see it play out. Unfortunately the giant uh, media advantage that John Hickenlooper will have in in the media backing him as the more credible candidate.
1: Look, we're not gonna have the most money in this race. We're just gonna try to get the most people. So we are encouraging folks, as you did, to sign on at andrewromanoff.com to contribute, to volunteer. Come to Colorado. It's a beautiful place. Uh, we're building a grassroots army all across the state. It's a bit of a uh, Rocky Mountain Rebellion, uh, because we're not interested in taking marching orders from the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee or anybody else in Washington. And I think if we do that, uh, if we continue to hold the House parties, the meet and greet events, we'll not only present a sharp contrast from Cory Gardner, who hasn't held a town hall meeting in two years, we'll also build the kind of coalition we need to win. And you're exactly right, Cenk. Uh, uh, well, I support flipping this seat from red to blue. The most important thing we can do is flip the Senate from paralysis to progress. And the only way to do that is to make sure that we elect Democrats with the courage of our convictions, who are willing to fight for the progressive priorities we share. Uh, that's why I'm running for this seat.
0: So, Representative Romanov, um, when you get into the Senate, um, if you do, um, you will have your so-called colleagues apply a tremendous amount of pressure to you. They'll say, hey, listen, Andrew, all that talk of the corruption and uh, Uh, getting the money from the fossil fuel industry, you gotta cut that out. It's going to offend your colleagues because half of them take fossil fuel money and you don't wanna be impolite to them. So, (laughs) uh, but you joke, you laugh, but that is literally what will happen and they will apply a tremendous amount of pressure. They'll say you're gonna hurt the Democratic Party if you point out that we're also getting money from these industries. So how will you respond to that?
1: That's You're entirely right. I take the premise, and you're right. That's the way this country club in Washington works. I'm not interested in settling in or joining the Senate cloakroom. I'm not running for the U.S. Senate for the, for the groupies or the glory. Somebody told me once there are two kinds of politicians in the world, those who want to be somebody and those who want to do something. I'm running for the U.S. Senate because I want to get something done. I joined this race because I think you and I are literally running out of time to rescue our planet, repair our democracy, and restore the American dream. And I am not content to stand by while the country is torn apart, while the planet is literally on, on fire, uh, and while folks like Cory Gardner just whistle through the wreckage. I'll owe my seat to the people of Colorado, pretty clearly not to the to the party bosses or the power brokers or the corporate PACs uh, in D.C.
0: All right, Andrew Romanoff running for the United States Senate in the state of Colorado. Thank you for joining us on The Young Turks. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks a lot, Jack. I appreciate it.
0: All right, guys, uh, let me check on tyt.com slash town hall cuz you guys got me excited, okay? Uh, And I'll check after the break too, and I'll check like seven times in between. You ready for this? $23,736 from 666 different donors. (laughs) That didn't take long, okay, what about a half an hour? Um, you guys are amazing. Let's keep it going. We got to get to a hundred thousand. These things are really expensive. I didn't even give you the details later. Uh, but uh, all right, we'll be right back with Brianna Wu. That should be an amazing interview. <laughs> com slash town hall together. This is for a town hall on climate crisis. Um, uh, we're trying to get to a hundred thousand. We just announced it about half an hour ago. Last we checked in, I have not refreshed yet. Uh, it was twenty three thousand seven hundred thirty six dollars. Let's see if it changed over the commercial break or the non commercial break. <laughs> twenty four thousand one hundred sixteen dollars with six hundred seventy two donors. Keep it going, keep it going. Thank you guys. Oh God, if you make that happen, despite the DNC not wanting it, we make it happen anyway. Oh, you're gonna feel amazing. So, um, anyway, lots more on that uh, as we have details, let's get to our next guest. Joining me now is Brianna Wu, Uh, she's a candidate for uh, Congress in Massachusetts 8th District. She's running against the Democratic incumbent, I wanna talk about uh, that incumbent in a little bit cuz he's got some issues, Um, Brianna, welcome to the Young Turks.
2: Thank you for having me. This is uh, such a pleasure to be here. I want to tell you, you kept me sane during the Bush administration. I listen to you every single day on Air America. I've been with you all since the beginning.
0: That's amazing. Thank you, Brianna. I really appreciate yeah. it. You know, as I was uh, reading through your materials today, Brianna, uh, I was reminded, of course, a lot of what happened at Gamergate, uh, and and I it had actually gelled for me. Um, a lot of things that are in the news today, including the New York Times saying, "Hey, it turns out these right wingers are now targeting the New York Times, Washington Post, and CNN, and trying to ruin our reputations, and sometimes even going after our families." And and it made me think, "Yeah, welcome to the internet." <laughs> that's that's been happening to us for a long, long time. And I and I said they've been trying to terrorize us. And then as I was reading what happened to you again, I thought, "You know what? You're you're patient zero. In, in, in a lot of ways, in the right wing terror attacks that began online,
2: so. It's really true, yeah, 8chan, a lot of people don't know this, but Hchan first kind of it's become a regular part of our mass uh, shootings here in this country. Hchan actually was essentially founded during Gamergate, going after me and other industry women. When uh, they made the Law and Order episode about my life, uh, they were actually reenacting threats that came from Hchan So, you know, I've been fighting Steve Bannon, Milo Yiannopoulos, all of these right-wing people for a very long time. I know how to beat them. Uh, and the way you beat Steve Bannon is you stand. Up to him. You speak with honesty and passion. And, you know, you don't do this Democratic insider playbook where you try to overthink every single issue. You just talk to the people directly about what's going on and how you're going to fix it. And I think that's how we can beat the alt right in our politics in this country. But, uh, you know, for the
0: mainstream media that is apparently not accustomed to it yet, what yeah. did they do to you? Uh, and I want people to, to know that because I'm sure a ton of people don't know.
2: Sure. So Gamergate was essentially a reaction against women working in the tech industry and specifically the video game industry. Uh, Today in 2020, women are 53% of gamers, uh, the game market. And there are some people that are very, very threatened by that. They find their identity in kind of um, of being an all-male space. So when the women that make your games start talking about how we are treated professionally, it makes some people very uncomfortable. Uh, So people that were speaking out about that saying, hey, you know what? Maybe this game company, they've never hired a woman in their entire history. Maybe they should think about doing that. Uh, for that, they started sending us rape threats, death threats. Uh, for me, just to tell you a really harrowing story, uh, during Gamergate, my dog Crash died. Um, and Gamergate was actually doxing me at the vet, sending me death threats, sending me videos of men holding Knives up to the camera, wearing skull masks, telling me how they're going to murder me, and photoshopping pictures of my dog on fire uh, to kind of make it even more traumatic. Um, it's a it's a playbook where cruelty is really at the point. But you know, it,
0: as you mentioned them sending the pictures of of your dog on fire, it literally made me remember uh, the the crosses they would set on fire and put yeah. into people's lawns, yeah. uh, and and now they're doing it in a digital way and. Yeah. And it's a form of terrorism uh, because if you're not as strong as you were, and and honestly as we are in our audiences, etc., of course any normal person would be incredibly freaked out by death threats, rape threats, etc. They would be terrorized by that. And like the Klan wore the hood uh, to protect their identity, now online we have people who have anonymity in some of these platforms. And that is their version of, the, of, of putting on a hood like the Klan did. And and so, just I guess, last question on that is: Do you think the media has explained this clearly enough, like the depth of of how the right wing uses threats of of terrorizing our lives uh, to try to uh, quiet the left wing, or do you think that they've you know done the false equivalency and really done great disservice uh, to what's actually happening in, in politics these days?
2: I think that the media enjoys the story of a woman in danger. It's something everybody loves for some perverse reason. Um, When I first stood up to Gamergate, yeah, I never felt brave. I saw it as just doing what I had to do. Uh, I knew that if I didn't stand up for the women I worked with in my field, I knew I wasn't going to be able to live with myself. You mentioned the Klan, Jenk. I grew up in Mississippi um i saw the clan marching through my town my college campus i went to school with people that are part of the clan I've, I've seen this dark heart um you know for me when i came out to my parents uh i found myself homeless uh not long after that so i've seen i've seen some of the darkest parts of humanity growing up in the south and what looking back on GamerGate, i find so frustrating is it was a um, it was a fun entertaining story about a woman getting death threats that they just kind of enjoyed. And um, I wrote a piece for the Times that published just last week uh, about how I didn't feel like our industry really learned any lessons from it. And I think that's very frustrating. Yeah, so
0: now let's talk about your race cuz uh, Stephen Lynch, comment incumbent plays into this <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but first, why did you decide to get into politics?
2: You know, I really enjoy being an engineer. I do think we need more diversity in Washington. We have enough business people and lawyers. But for me, I'm a software engineer. I'm more comfortable coding than I am going on camera. But I think I feel real purpose. My father was a naval officer. He served his country that way. For me, I can't fire a gun or pilot a helicopter, but I can certainly improve our cybersecurity policy in this country. I think in the Trump era, it is all hands on deck. All of us are doing what we can. You're certainly doing that with your career. We're seeing people all over this country, whether they're running for office or helping organize for candidates. I think people are standing up and doing what they can. So the answer is I'm doing this because I have to. My country is under attack. I don't think we're going to survive under this current leadership. And when I say that, I mean both parties. We've got to fundamentally change the Democratic Party if America is going to survive.
0: So, a lot of people would say, especially in the media, because they're in the incumbent protection racket. But Stephen Lynch is a good Democrat. Why bother <laughs> primarying him? Uh, what's your counterpoint?
2: I, I have to laugh. I'm so sorry. It's just so ridiculous. He's on the wrong side of every single issue. This is a man that first got into politics because he was upset that gay people were participating in the St. Patrick's Day parade here in Boston. Um, you know, he didn't even vote for Obamacare, much less Medicare for All. Uh, you know, it takes all this corporate money uh, from you know uh, housing developers. He's part of the house. Affordability crisis in Massachusetts. He's just the wrong guy for these incredibly pressing problems. Yeah, Massachusetts is also the state that produced Elizabeth Warren, and I think if you compare these two people, there just there could not be more of a difference between them. I frankly think we can do a lot better.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I have to be honest. I didn't know how bad Stephen Lynch's record was until I started doing research for this interview. Yeah. Voted against Obamacare, unreal. Uh, voted you know when people say oh Pelosi had to keep her caucus together like how challenging could it be? But no there were Democrats as conservative as Stephen Lynch who were like no Obamacare, I don't want to do that. Fix people's health care at all? No. At the time there was 50 million Americans that didn't have health insurance. Apparently not as big a problem for Stephen Lynch as the campaign checks he was getting. Of course voted for the Iraq War. Um and uh, how about climate change? Uh, what's his stance there? I'm afraid he that just has.
2: came out last week. He said it's a hundred year problem. Jake, uh, this is a hundred day problem. We've got to get to this right now. I was out canvassing just uh, last weekend. I'm looking at houses uh, in Quincy. They're going to be underwater in a few years. You know, he's just uh, for whatever reason he's congenitally unable to take these problems seriously. This is not the time for timid incrementalism. We need big bold ideas. And what I want to say is, you know, throughout my entire career, I've never taken the easy path. I've never backed down from a fight. You know, I am doing this because it's the right thing to do. We need Democrats to stand up and not just go along with our corporate pals. We've got to stand unapologetically for what the American people need. And the last thing I'm going to say on this I come from the tech industry, and I will fully admit to you that before I decided to run for office, I've spent a lot more of my life behind a computer screen. And going out into the real world and seeing schools in my district, talking to voters in my district, talking to people that have lost their health care, you really, really understand what the stakes are. I talk to people all the time. They're having to choose between their health and their house. And those are very serious stakes. And I just fundamentally cannot understand why Washington seems so unconcerned about this. Uh, It's just because all I hear on the ground are horror stories.
0: Yeah. So, website BriannaWoo for Congress.com. We'll always have the links that you can click on easily down below if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, But, you know, I want to end on one other thing. I'm amazed by. How many conservative Democrats are all across the country, including places like Massachusetts, and how deeply conservative they are? It's, it's this political deadwood rotting, and nobody's doing a damn thing about it except for people like you, Brianna, who are running for change. So what was his record on hate crimes prosecutions?
2: Thank you for bringing this up. Um, you know, Jenk, I, I remember being in the closet in the early nils trying to come out. And um, I remember two events, reading about them while I was attending the University of Mississippi. One was the murder of Matthew Shepard, and the second was the murder of Guena And I will never forget this reading about Stephen Lynch. While he was working, while he was serving in the State House of Massachusetts, he actually tried to, in response to that, not enhance the hate crimes prosecution, but actually get rid of it. You know, LGBT LGBT people were being murdered, and. He hardened his heart to that. He wanted to make us less safe. That is an appalling position. It cannot stand. And this is this is really what I want your audience to hear. You know, in a lot of Democrats, they will go along with these bills. And when they have a majority, sure, they'll pass something that's a half measure. But it's not personal to them. And I want to tell you, when I read about homeless LGBT youth, that's personal for me. I've been one of them. Um, We've got to take this very seriously. We need Democrats that have experienced poverty. We need Democrats who've struggled for health care and haven't been millionaires their whole lives. We need people that have faced the problems the American people are asking us to solve.
0: Brianna Wu for Congress.com. Brianna, thank you for joining us on The Young Turks.
2: It's an honor to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right, guys, when we come back, uh, the last half hour of The Young Turks is just for members. We gotta pay the bills, uh, tyt.com slash join to become a member. J.R. and I are gonna see a new ad for Tommy Laren's uh, athletic gear. Uh, and it's built so that you can carry weapons and murder people in it. Uh, so, oh boy, that's gonna be a doozy, so don't miss that. And let me do one last refresher on tyt.com slash town hall, 27,198. Uh, dollars with seven hundred and fifty four individual donors, you guys are amazing. spread the word we're going to do this town hall. Uh, you know what the funny thing is, guys dead serious when we were talking about it earlier today when we, uh, we were like, could we do it but we didn't need a lot of money i don't we don't have anywhere near that money i don 't like could we ask the audience and we had no idea and coming in i didn 't know how it was going to go um you've made a believer out of me. So now I think, oh, they done messed up. We're gonna do this thing. <laughs> God, I love you guys. All right, we'll see you in the post game.